The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, of Member of the Wells, preached on September 2nd, 2012, based on John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which Jesus speaks to us here today is the Gospel, John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Why do you believe in Jesus? Is it because your mother told you about him? Well, that might be fine for a little child, but I hope that's no longer the case for you. Do you believe because a a Sunday school teacher or a pastor told you? I hope that's not the case either. Or do you believe because... You belong to this church, and that's what this church teaches, so you believe what the church says. That's not good either. Why do you believe in Jesus? Is it because some uh, beloved, trusted person, like your mother or Sunday school teacher, told you? Or is it because some knowledgeable authority, like a pastor or the church, said it was true? If any of that's the case, though, Doesn't that mean your faith is at least somewhat built on the reliability of that person or institution? And that's not good. Or, dear Christian, is your faith built on God's word alone? The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life, Jesus says here. And that's what this book is. Yes, the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, are the words of Jesus, our God and Savior. For you see, through the Holy Spirit, he gave the writers the words he wanted them to write. In fact, in John chapter 1, Jesus himself is called the Word. Yes, it's not just the red-letter words that are his. All the Bible, all the scriptures are the words of Jesus. And so, dear Christian friends, when it comes to what you believe, Don't take my word for it. Take 
His word. That's the theme here this morning. And as we look at the first part here today, we note just how contrary Jesus' words are to our human way of thinking. That's what we see in the reaction of the crowd as they reflect on what Jesus has been saying to them. His words don't fit into our human mindset or our natural common sense. His words are contrary to our human way of thinking. The people in the crowd here, who are referred to as disciples because they have been following Jesus and learning from him, they have been listening to that Bread of Life sermon in John chapter 6. And what Jesus has been saying just doesn't fit with their way of thinking. they, They react and say, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Now, sometimes I've heard people say that the Bible is a hard book to understand, and that's why they, they don't really look at it all that much. And it's true, the Bible has teachings. It, it brings us truths that are beyond human understanding, but that's not a reason to stay away from studying the Bible, is it? It's, it's all the more reason to dig even more deeply, to make those truths our own. There is much in this book for you and for me, even even with my background in, in, at seminary and as a pastor, there is much in this book still for you and for me to keep on learning. New treasures as well as old to uncover. If we are going to say that we are taking Jesus at his word, don't we need to be digging deeply into his word? How much remains hidden. How many riches are still hidden waiting for you to make your very own hidden in the words of the scriptures waiting for you to take them to heart. So they're not just in a book but they are in you your very own. And yet as we look at the context here the objection of the crowd isn't that Jesus' words are hard to understand. In fact, Jesus has made himself so clear that it has cut, his words have cut deep into their hearts. They understand what he is saying, and and that's the trouble. They understand what he is saying, and they don't want to accept it. His words are too hard to accept. They don't go down easy and smoothly, making them feel good about themselves and hopeful for a good life on earth. Rather, his words are hard and rough like calloused hands or or like sandpaper grating against their way of thinking. How could this man, standing right there in front of them, how could this man, breathing the same air they breathed, eating the same food, drinking the same water, walking the same streets, how could he claim to be the living bread that came down from heaven? That's what he's been saying in John 6. How can he claim to have come down from heaven sent by the Father? How could he claim that he alone brings brings eternal life? How could he claim that faith in his flesh and blood, yes, his flesh and blood of all things, was absolutely necessary to have fellowship with God for eternity? Who did he think he was? His words were too contrary to their way of thinking. But Jesus hasn't given up on them. 
he, he tries to draw them to himself, yet once again, as he says to them, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Yes, if they would only take him at his word, then they would see, they would see his sacrifice as he offered his flesh and blood for the sins of the world. They would see his resurrection and his ascension to the Father in glory, confirming that his words are the truth. But they resisted the Holy Spirit. They relied on their human wisdom and their common sense, and instead they rejected Jesus and his word as just too contrary to their way of thinking. But you, you dear Christians, you have seen You have seen it with the eyes of faith. With the eyes of faith you have seen Jesus offering himself on the cross in your place for your sins. You have seen Jesus with the eyes of faith conquer death to bring you eternal life in his resurrection victory. You have seen him ascend to the Father's right hand in glory. And with the eyes of faith you still see Jesus ruling over all things for the good of you, his people, why wouldn't we take him at his word? And yet it is still tempting for us, isn't it, to keep God's word at a distance? And I think part of that temptation comes from a, a feeling deep down inside that you know, if, if, if we might find something in this book here that, that's going to be hard for us to swallow, hard for us to accept, and, and that, that, that might challenge how good of a Christian we think we are then. We might find something here that rubs our sense of self-esteem the wrong way, that grates against it, something that upsets our way of looking at life or, or challenges us from that comfortable pattern of life that we're used to following. And so we're tempted to keep God's word at a distance because there might be something here that's hard to accept, that's contrary to our way of thinking. But that's not the solution, is it, dear friends? If anything, that that again is all the more reason for us to dig deep into this word. For yes, dear Christian, only as you, yourself, dig deep into that word, that is how you, yourself, can say with deep conviction and full confidence, yes, I believe in Jesus despite how contrary his words are to my human, natural way of thinking and my common sense. I believe in Jesus not because I was told so by someone else or by the church. Then you can truly say, I believe in Jesus because the Bible tells me so. And the Bible is God's word. The words of my dear Savior, Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself up for me, why wouldn't I take him at his word? Yes, dear friends, don't take my word for it. Take his word. Now, we not only see in the text here the reaction of the crowd in general, we also see the confession of the disciples here. Their confession that leads us to see just how necessary Jesus' words are for our life now and forever. And that's the second part we consider here today. As I've said, as as you heard in the Gospel, many who had been following Jesus stopped following him. And for one, that 
indicates to us too, doesn't it, that the truth of God's word or truth in general isn't determined by popularity or numbers in attendance. But what about the twelve whom Jesus has chosen to be his apostles? Are they going to follow the crowd and leave Jesus as well? Well, Jesus knows the answer. He knows what each of them are going to do. He even knows who's going to betray him. But he asks this question anyway because he wants to give the disciples an opportunity to confess their faith. He wants to, give, he wants to strengthen their conviction in, his, in him and in his words of truth. And so he asks them, you do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answers for all of them, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And once again we see how the disciples' confession here draws our attention, our focus to the words of Jesus. You have the words of eternal life. How necessary those words are for our life now and forever. Take him at his word. But what does it mean when, when Peter confesses here that Jesus is the Holy One of God? Well, to be holy means to be set apart from sin and set apart for service to God. Jesus is holy. He's sinless. Because he is the Holy God, the Son of the Father, and so he is the Holy One of God. And he is also holy as the one who has been set apart for God's holy mission. And what is that mission? To bring sinners like you and me into God's holy presence by taking away our sins and freely crediting us with his righteousness through faith in his holy sacrifice. You, dear friends, are saints, God's holy ones, now, do you see how much, when we think about Jesus and the work he has done for this, how this changes the way we live our lives now? For he is the Holy One and we are his people. And what hope this gives us, a real and sure hope, not only for time but for all eternity. Yes, Jesus' words, how necessary they are for our life now and forever taken at his word. And that's why, dear friends, our worship is centered around the word of God. We even call this the divine service because our God serves us his word and sacrament. And his sacrament, the Lord's Supper, is his word made visible under the bread and wine, bringing us his body and blood, proclaiming what his word proclaims. And our liturgy and hymns echo God's word. The readings proclaim that word. The sermon digs more deeply into a portion of that word. But even in the sermon, dear friends, don't take my word for it. Take his word. But why limit his word to an hour? We have Bible class starting next week where we look at Jesus' word about who he is, that he is the Christ, our Lord. And what does that mean for our life now? and for eternity. Come 
and see what Jesus' word says. Come to Bible class, even if you just want to sit and listen. You don't have to find passages or read them aloud. You can ask questions if you want. You can even contribute to the conversation, but those aren't requirements. Come and see that what we believe isn't so because the church or the synod or the confessions or Luther said so, but because the Bible says so. Come and see how necessary his words are for our life now and forever. And, and what a blessing that each of us can afford a Bible of our own. Make use of that blessing. Set aside time to read your Bible. And not only time for the reading, but also give yourself time to think about what you've read and to talk to your Savior about it. And what about the other Christian books out there, devotions, study aids? They are beneficial only insofar as they lead you to grow in God's truth that is revealed only in the scriptures. And so finally, here, dear friends, what you hear in the service, what you learn in Bible class, what you read in the scriptures at home, ponder and contemplate those words of your God and Savior, Jesus Christ. For you see, that is how his word, God's truth, roots itself deeply in our hearts. That's how the treasures hidden in the scriptures become your very own. That's how the Lord our God shapes our thinking so that our way of thinking is no longer contrary to his word, but more and more our hearts and minds are transformed to match what his word says. That's how you see just how necessary his word is for your faith and life now and forever. And finally, dear friends, that is how each and every one of you can say, can truly say, I believe in Jesus because the Bible tells me so. That's a faith not based on what others say, but based on what God himself has said. I believe because the Bible tells me so. Don't take my word for it. Take his word. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.